Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. The Jazz Session is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. Before we get started with the show today, just a quick request from me to you, faithful Jazz Session listener, or even first-time Jazz Session listener. I've got a survey, just 10 questions, take you about three or four minutes probably to complete, and it will really help me to improve the show. And so I hope you'll take it. I'm just trying to get some of your feedback on the things uh, that you like about the show and things you might like to see changed. To take the survey, which is super easy, it's free, all that kind of good stuff, you just go to thejazzsession.com slash survey. Again, that's thejazzsession.com slash survey. So would you do that for me? Thank you very much. My guest today is Joe Morris. He's a bassist and guitarist. Uh, he's on guitar, his original instrument, on this recording by the Joe Morris Quartet called Today on Earth on the Om Fidelity label. The recording begins with the tune Backbone. <laughs> My guest is guitarist and bassist Joe Morris. Uh, he's on guitar with the Joe Morris Quartet on the new album Today on Earth on the Om Fidelity label. Uh, Joe, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, uh, Jason. I, I want to start right off and say that uh, I, I really always have, have loved the sound of your guitar and uh, is certainly just as in love with it on this record. Is that something, did it take you a long time to get to a place where you felt like you had your sound like this is what Joe Morris sounds like when he plays the guitar um you know not really I think I made a decision pretty quickly that the way to really have a sound was to keep it really simple being that I was really really inspired by pretty traditional jazz guitarists when I was a teenager um I could tell the difference between someone like Renee Thomas and Oscar Moore and Wes Montgomery and Jim Hall and Larry Coriel, anybody that I heard, as long as they weren't using any effects. So it became pretty clear to me right away that if you 
if you plugged your instrument into an amp and kept the EQ pretty simple and didn't use reverb and didn't use a lot of pedals, you would sound like yourself right away. And so that's what I did. And so it, it didn't really take any effort. It was just a question of getting the right, maybe getting the right gear that did what I wanted it to do. That's a pretty a pretty mature decision. I mean, it's like it seems like half the fun of the electric guitar would be, you know, seeing how many of the seventy five pedals you can get on the line and and seeing what happens. It sounds like you you were very focused on where you wanted to get to almost right from the start. Yeah. Well, I started when I was fourteen and I was a rock guitarist, so I had plenty of fun with the sound of the thing, you know. And I used wah wah pedals and phase shifters and fuzz boxes and all that stuff and. That, to me, that's a different instrument in some ways than the one that I tried to use for a long time. Uh, my music might be changing a little bit now, but um, that was different. That was basically guitar with effects. There's, to me, there's just a really different thing. And I, I've, I've said a lot of things like this over the years that, you know, they're, they're almost like two different instruments. The, this, this sort of sonic palette that you get when you use effects is really different. But the value of the line of notes is diminished quite a bit. Unless you're playing it in a particular way, if you're you know, playing with a rhythm section, it's hard to get that unless the rhythm section is also pretty electrified. And so being that I wanted it to be more acoustic, it was better to have a kind of natural sound and rely on the, the shape of the line I was playing, you know, like a horn player would. You uh, you just said uh, while you were speaking that you think things might be changing a little now. How how do you feel that they're changing? Well, I'm leaning a little bit more uh, uh, on using an acoustic guitar, an archtop that I've had for a while, and focusing a little bit more on what I sort of had separated as my acoustic guitar playing for a long time. It's sort of amplified acoustic at this point, but um, the playing on Today on Earth, the new quartet record, uh, which is in a, using a semi-hollow-body uh, guitar, and some of my earlier stuff using a Les Paul, is really more about line, and, and the stuff I'm doing now is a little bit more about, uh, I'd say, cluster of notes. It's a little bit more of a finger-picking kind of thing in a way. Uh, it's a little bit different. And um, I've had those two sort of paths run separately since, I guess, the late 70s. And I've used the line playing one quite a bit and I still love doing it um, but I'm really trying at this point to uh, bring the other part to at least the point of being equal in terms of the amount of work I get and you know, how I focus on things. I, I, I want to follow that, that line of thought in a second but you, you've said a couple times um, you know, like today on earth was this thing and what I'm doing now unless I'm reading the back of the record wrong this was recorded in June yeah, so, I, I didn't mean yeah. to put that. <laughs> yeah. This is now, as far as I'm in the jazz world, that's that's tomorrow, as far no, as I'm No, it's really recent. Um, it, it's not, it, you know, the Today on Earth is, is right about now. And, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is I've had kind of two parallel trajectories on on guitar, and, and it's easier to find the, the one similar to Today on Earth because I, I've recorded more like that. I guess what I mean to say is in addition to that, Right now, I'm also doing some other stuff, and it's kind of a sideline, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the new record. I mean, that's some other work, and I didn't mean to bring it up so that it it it, it became a more prominent part of the conversation. No, 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 that's totally fine. But I've always had the two of them. I mean, if people are aware of my solo work, 
which some of which is done on acoustic guitar and is more of a sort of uh, cluster playing. It's a it's it's more of a full use of the guitar than the line thing. Um, they'll know that you know I've sort of had these two things going, and I'm trying really hard to sort of have them both operate rather than just one. But today on Earth is really a, a you know a, the latest the latest thing I can do in what I consider to be my sort of line uh, electric guitar playing. You kind of you, you answered my que- next question before I asked it, which was going to be whether the cluster uh, playing that you're referring to is more akin to your solo work, and you've done stuff on mandolin and uh, the banjo and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, it, it, I also wonder, how has uh, playing the uh, acoustic bass, which you've been doing for almost a decade now, how, how has that informed... Uh, either of these approaches to the guitar. If I guess has. I don't. I'm not quite sure. I know how, but I, I guess one is that it's made my sort of things like my quartet, Joe Morris Quartet. It's made my commitment to swing a little bit stronger in that regard. And on the other side of it, it's freed me in my in other parts of my guitar music to do things that are not related to swing. Um, so it, it's kind of taken over some of my really strong connections to jazz and put them on the bass a little bit more and taken them off the guitar a little bit you know not completely of course i can never do that but but um it's had uh the effect of sort of giving me a life in jazz that isn't about the guitar i guess because a life in jazz about the guitar is a very complicated thing it can either be really restrictive or it can be really uh, ignored. <laughs> you know, two two tough things. A very tough instrument to use, and and go to a very authentic place in jazz. And you know, being authentic as an improviser, as a jazz musician, as an artist, means you con- you constantly have to move forward. And I think there's a bit of a resistance. Uh, there's a there's a resistance to everybody moving forward these days in jazz music. But I think with the guitar, it's it's hard to move forward with it without getting more electric, without getting more rock-oriented, without getting, you know, sort of, I don't know, losing some of the um, natural sound of the instrument. And so I'm trying to just put myself in a situation where I can always hold what I think is as close to a natural sound as possible. Anyway, the bass it hasn't been a dramatic thing in taking me out, taking the guitar away from, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't really know for sure, but I know that, I haven't wanted to get away from a lot of jazz things as a musician, but as a guitar player, I don't want to have any restriction on what I do. And so playing bass has put me in a situation where I can, you know, play in groups and swing and do all these nice things, and I don't have to worry about the role of the guitar. You know, for me, for me, it's always been a challenge to put the guitar into that environment. I think I've done a lot of work. I know I've done a lot of work to make that valid, and to make it, and to keep it very real and and sort of very spontaneous, you know, th- there's times when I, I need a break from that. It's it's a it's like a it's like a it's a very hard job that that I, I spend a lot of time thinking about. Playing the bass has given me a little bit of a break on that. It's made me feel a lot looser about all of my music. So I guess maybe that's the biggest effect it's had on my guitar playing. It's made me feel really loose and really free because I have another whole outlet for uh, my music. (laughs) ¶¶ 
I know uh, in my own personal experience and the experience of some other folks that I've interviewed uh, over the years that uh, people talk about selecting the instrument they play based on kind of the range, that the the tonal range in which they're most comfortable hearing. Like they, they hear in the higher range better, so they play the soprano saxophone or, you know, whatever. Uh, do you feel like you're kind of operating in the same world when you're playing in the playing the bass as you are when you're playing the guitar are you are you hearing things differently are you approaching improvisation or well, uh, your role differently i said there's a few things a few things to answer about that one is being that i started as a as a um a rock musician you know i, I that was the instrument i played and i started playing jazz because i thought there was something i could do in it you know it seemed like you know i was going to be a guitar player and it seemed like it wasn't like I, I took lessons and learned to play jazz and then became a jazz musician. I mean, I, I wanted to be a musician. I started playing, you know, Beatles songs and Rolling Stones and things like that and got into playing blues and, you know, got into uh, uh, Hendrix and got into Miles Davis electric stuff and gradually got into Cecil Taylor and Anthony Braxton. And so it was more like I had this instrument and... I noticed that certain things weren't being done on it, and so I just started doing it. And it wasn't—I never made a choice about uh, it fitting any particular sound. It was the instrument I chose to play when I was a kid, and you know, because I wanted to be a guitar player. And then I, I thought, well, I could do some things with this that um, aren't being done in this jazz situation. And so it was uh, like an artistic. It was like an opportunity, kind of like a oh, here, like a realization. Here's a path I could go, and there's a lot of creativity to be had here, and that's really how I saw it. differently when I play bass or guitar I, I'm always thinking about the way the music is coming together I, I'm very very strategic about what I do as an improviser and part of the strategy is always this sort of in, intuition and the, the trust in my instincts and those of my colleagues but the other part is being very strategic about how the written material works how we're interacting with our improvisation how we're stating the pulse or how we're implying the pulse, how we're relating to the, to the pulse, how people are articulating against the pulse as I'm playing the bass and how I'm articulating to the pulse when I'm playing the guitar and, you know, how sort of vivid we can make the music, how, how well we play together and how, how vivid and exciting and spectacular we can make the music. And, and otherwise, the... The register of the two instruments t took a bit of getting used to. You know, I, I understood the bass a lot when I started playing it because I had been writing for it and I spent years really studying what people had done on it because I love it. And um, But playing it, it was a little weird to sort of get used to being in the lowest register. <laughs> but once you get it, it's, it, it's an incredible luxury to be back there because y you have an amazing amount of sort of control without it being very obvious. 
so it's really fun to play bass. You mentioned uh, making the uh, written parts uh, as well as the kind of improvised parts uh, flow together, and certainly that uh, is a is a part of today on Earth. Uh, can you give me some idea of what these pieces were like when you when you brought them to the studio? How, how much was already there, and how much evolved in the course of playing with your bandmates? Like a lot of my other compositions, there, it takes me a lot of time to conceive the direction that I'm going to go in with the music in terms of how much the melodies, what the melodies imply and what the melodies allow to happen and who I'm going to play with. I would say that a lot of the the themes I write or a lot of the compositions I write are sort of deceptively simple. I think some people have written that they thought my my pieces were usually very simple, but it's very it's very hard to write things that work as a sort of melodic template, as a melodic structure that are small, that just sort of put you right there in the space, and then you kind of let every, you trust that everybody can read the implications that, that are there and let them go. In the past, I wrote more, or I wrote, I would say, more for the rhythm section. I wrote things that triggered a certain kind of response in the rhythm section, especially in my trio music. Each one of those is a different version of that, and my earlier quartet was like that as well. There, the way the rhythm section operated was altered on almost every piece. With the trio, with the quartet I have now with Timo and and Luther, I basically just try to write things that work as a beautiful melodic template to get us into a, a certain flow and a certain energy level. And I bring them in, and we run them down, and we record them. I mean, I trust those guys to do what they're going to do really, really well. And I've given up on the idea that I need to really steer them in any direction. So in a lot of ways, Today on Earth is super free. I think all but one track on that is is one take. You know, we played it, we rehearsed it for, we ran down the chart, and then we recorded it. <laughs> and that's how we did it. And that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I, I just like things that are more about how the group is playing and what we're playing in our solos than I do like things that are very composed. They, they don't interest me as much. You mentioned uh, Timo Shanko, who plays uh, bass on the recording, and Luther Gray, who plays drums. What what makes Luther such a good fit for you? First off, he studied all the all the important drummers that come up to him. You know, he's somebody who understands the difference between Steve McCall and Sonny Murray and the difference between Billy Higgins and Ed Blackwell. You know, I'm somebody who pays a lot of um, respect to innovations in, in, with regard to improvising. Um, you know, the people who make, who, who, uh, the great improvisers make technique for their instrument, and other people interpret that technique. Luther understands that, and so he has the ability, he has like a repertoire of all these really major um, approaches to improvising in his plan. He also has a really great interactive mindset, so he's really fun to work with, and he's very respectful of ideas that, that you know, I have, and, and uh, he's a very respectful and respectable guy, and um, he swings like a maniac. I mean, he can bounce, you know, first off, to be able to play with Timo, who is just a super monster bass player who swings harder than nearly anyone that ever lived. 
to have to, to be able to find a drummer who can actually hang with Timo is really something. I mean, Timo is really a force to uh, he's like a force of nature and the same with Jim. Um Jim and Timo worked together. I heard them the first time when they were 19 years old playing Arnett Coleman tunes on the street and they're a lot younger than me and they blew my mind then and so I've been sort of their biggest fan for 20 years and uh Luther is the drummer that Timo likes to play with I think the most and so it's a natural fit we swing we know where we're going to go I don't really have to give them a lot of direction because it's always going to be beautiful music there's never a dead spot there's never any any doubt in what they're doing we just pull a chain <laughs> and there we go you know <laughs> and, and that you know that's really an incredible thing to find people that like that to work with Joe, you said uh, the great improvisers create technique. What, yes. In, in that in that sentence, is is the word technique? Does that mean like the actual physical approach to how they interact with their instruments, or what, what does it mean? When it, yeah, I mean they create a way to play. They create a way to play their instrument. You know, Bud Powell created a way to play the piano. Um, Steve McCall created a way to play the drums. Ed Blackwell created a way to play the drums. Louis Armstrong created a way to play. The trumpet, Charlie Parker and Thelonious Monk created the the technique, and you could say it's the style, but in order to learn that style, you have to modify your technique if you want to copy them, and um, that's how I approach doing this. I'm, you know, in order to play like me, you have to learn the things I know how to do and execute those things, you know. Someone like Eric Dolphy was a big influence on me, and Ornette Coleman, they have a complete methodology that, you know, uh, uh, controls the way they improvise. Coltrane. Yeah, everybody who is like a really important figure in this, not someone who interprets Coltrane. To me, that's okay. It's nice music, but that's not that's not as important as Coltrane. And I mean, in some ways, in the business sense, it's treated as if it is. Wow, he sounds just like Coltrane. Yeah, but without Coltrane, you know, living and dying and sweating. <laughs> And toiling with no, with total uncertainty as to whether or not that was ever going to be accepted. Without that, the person who imitates him or interprets him is a better, fairer word. I think has no gig. It's about approaching your instrument and learning how to another way to play it. And you know, great improvisers actually create the technique that they use to play their instrument, and then they need to put it in a in a context in an environment with other people who were willing to relate to those particulars, you know? So if you take, you know, Charlie Parker's group and 
put him with Arnett Coleman, it's not going to sound the same. You know, maybe Bird would sound okay with Arnett Coleman's group, but not necessarily the other way around. And those specifics is what makes them both great. Arnett had the benefit of hearing Charlie Parker, and he could hear some things that weren't there. So he did those, and there you have it. You know, and that natural kind of evolution is always rendered in the way people play their instruments in this kind of music. That's, you know, exactly how it works. Then there's an original version of that, or what I call constructive, and there's an interpretive version of that, and then there's a synthesized version of that, where, you know, maybe somebody has a little Coltrane and a little Sunny Stitt or somebody, you know, there's a bunch of different things. Or they use the Coltrane thing to play funk, you know? But the original thing, the real constructive sort of technique thing is what the part that I look to and the part that I'm interested in. mentioned in the beginning, uh, and, and I, I know this is the case, that uh, you're largely self-taught. You didn't kind of go through the standard, you know, series of lessons that kind of make you a jazz guitar player. Did that make it easier for you to find and uh, and study and it bring into your own playing kind of whatever appealed to you as opposed to what you were supposed to learn? I learned what I needed to know in terms of playing chord changes. I had a handful of lessons where I learned that, and I'm talking maybe five or six. So I learned about scales and arpeggios, and I always could do that, but I wasn't that interested in doing that to the point of mastering it, you know. And I can do it now, and I I probably know more about it now because I teach and I teach guitar, and you know I I definitely know how to analyze standards and how to play changes and all that kind of stuff. But to live in the world where you're playing changes all the time to be classified as a quote jazz guitar player i guess you know is like a life's work the people who who really want to do that they're going to do that and that's what they're going to think about i think about it differently i think that playing changes on the guitar is somebody's basically somebody's invention you know when when the music called for that for playing changes if we take Charlie Christian, and you take Barney Kessel, um, you know, early guys in the swing and bebop era, those guys had to develop the technique on their instrument to meet the music that was around them, in, in whether it was Benny Goodman's or it was Charlie Parker's. You know, they had to, 
that music wasn't written for the guitar, at least in terms of technique. The harmony, you know, the arpeggiated chords, and you know, the the sort of um, reharmonization of the of the material, most of which is based on standard tunes, is one thing. You could learn how to do that, but then applying it to the instrument is an invention. So I look at those people as being inventors of that technique to play that kind of music and without them there wouldn't be anybody knowing how to do it those guys invented the way to do that uh you know a few other people contributed you know quite a few other people but just to signify that those guys were pretty important in that west montgomery to me in this sort of modal thing is another person who invented a technique that you know was never there before you could say, well, yeah, he was really good at using scales to improvise and things like that, as was John McLaughlin, who those two guys are masters of that, among other things, and able to do a lot of other things, too. But when you think about that part of what they do, they have a, a totally original thing. So for me, it was like I find this music that is based on open tonality. It's not, it's, there's no lack of structure in it. It's just not based on diatonic harmony. And so... When I discovered that, knowing what I knew about chord changes and everything, I thought, well, here's a place to do some work where I can actually contribute some new material and, and really find a way to do this. You know, for me, it was being inspired by Jimmy Lyons and Eric Dolphy and Arnett Coleman and Anthony Braxton and Cecil Taylor. And I know there were other guitar players working on that, but I thought I had ideas of my own. We're going back to the 70s now that they weren't doing or they weren't going to do. And I don't think they have done. Uh, you know, I think I've I've managed to sound like myself all the time. So it was like a question of taking that existing material and finding a way to play it. You know, and so I I think those things are the same. So to me, being a jazz guitarist is more about the aesthetic and the culture of it rather than the particular technique. In other words, if someone says, "Yes, I'm a jazz guitar player. I play tunes and I play chord changes." I don't think that makes him more of a jazz guitar player than I am, you know. And I'm not saying you're implying that, but I think there's a sort of general consensus in the guitar world, the jazz guitar world, that the many thousands of people who play free music now are not as jazz as the many thousands of people who play chord changes. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that's sort of um, not an artistic sensibility to be like that. That's like saying that abstract art is not art you know that landscape painting is art you know well yeah they both are but maybe you like you know some people like one or the other more so um you know i guess i know how to do all the things that jazz guitar players do and i teach that but i choose to do some of the things that fewer jazz guitarists do <laughs> i guess maybe <laughs> that's a good way of putting it <laughs> You know, uh, I think hopefully people who have heard this show before will know that this is the case. But uh, let me just state unequivocally for the record that uh, I completely agree. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I hope I, that no point there did I imply that I thought playing changes was what was required to be. Oh no, I don't think idea. you implied that. I think what you did. I think your question raised the opportunity for me to make that statement. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. something that I'm always looking to do. You know. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny because I have a lot of a lot of students who feel as if their voice in this is hindered by the obligation to play a certain repertoire a certain way. And when I say no, it isn't. When I say to them, well, you know, think of Joe Pass. I bring up Joe Pass, who I think is tremendous, and and uh, and they look. At first, they look at me like, oh no, 
<laughs> and I say, you know, he invented the way he plays. You know, he he took the material that he had, and with the help of his father and a lot of really nice gigs and being a great musician, he figured out a way to play. You know, these really dense chord solos on standard tunes and on bebop tunes and jazz tunes, and you know, there was he couldn't go to somebody and learn to do that. You know, he heard music and he figured out a way to put it on the instrument. That's really I'm following in that tradition. I, that's really all there is to it. Uh, I think when I started, it was a requirement for someone like me to find the part of existing music that I could contribute some technique to, um, you know, a methodology of my own to. And that's really what I've done for now for 30 years. After that, it becomes a question, of, you know, for a long time it was just making sure I had my own voice on the guitar and sounding like myself in my own musical environment. And then it's become more of like, well, then what can I contribute to the to the overall music? So it's not just about me playing the guitar. And that's, you know, I've been in that mindset more for a couple of decades. You know, it's times like this when I wish the show was three hours long because, yeah. Uh, yeah, first of all, the, I I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. So it would be easy easy just to say yes, what he said. But the uh, the piece of it that really that really grabs me, especially as I think about you relating to your students, um, is that. It's so refreshing to hear uh, to hear jazz and innovation continue to be linked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's you know that to me that's the point, and that that is what appeals to me about the, about improvised music, and it you know it's the it's the continual forward motion, and not not the snapshot, not the not the museum piece, and so um, I mean that appeals to me to listen to the that original music, but not not these days. So. Uh, I can only imagine that it's both kind of refreshing and scary uh, for your students to to because what kind of what you're doing to them is saying you know no I'm taking the net away and just telling you just go just walk out on the rope and figure it out. Well, actually, you're part right. Um, what I'm saying is that nothing in this has ever been pre-described. There that to do this authentically as many people that I know understand it. You approach it the way I, I... Bud Powell's in my head. I guess it was his birthday this week. Bud Powell's a good example. You approach it the way Bud Powell approached it, which is to not know the limitations of the work he was doing. You know, when he died, people could look back and go, man, I love Bud Powell. I really love that one record he made. They listened to it a hundred times, but Bud Powell might have made it in the studio and never listened to it again. And with that sensibility is really what creates this kind of music. It's not a codified, um, finite thing that, that has been sort of brought to us by what I kind of consider to be a kind of tyrannical sort of industry at this point that says, this is jazz, and if you want to succeed in it, you'll do this. I think that, that, that stuff that's just been hijacked by people who are trying to make money off of something that is inherently chaotic thank god you know and so my students are basically um encouraged to do whatever they want to do from playing standard tunes which i have a lot of respect for to playing noise improvisation i don't tell them what to play what i tell them to do is to really be good at what they do and to understand exactly what they're doing and everything you know there's a there's an impression in free music that you know you just do whatever you want but there's no such thing as that. It's very methodical. You know, there are methodologies that 
that prevail, you know, a few schools of thought that many people participate in, and there's, you know, sort of uh, extensions to all of those, and there's new ones being attempted to be dealt with. You know, it's, it's, it's about creating a, a methodology to build your own music, you know, and that's really how I teach. I teach a kind of, I call it like a, a meta methodology, like you have an overview of how things go together so that you can put things together all the time in many, many layers. So you're never, you're never confused, but you are, you are, uh, you remain surprised, open to surprise. You know, I tell people you can only play what you know how to play, but you can learn something on the spot, you know. And uh, so my students usually know a little bit more than a lot of the people that just learn to play changes. They learn how to play changes. And I, I don't just have guitar students, you know, I have I, I, I teach improvisation at New England Conservatory and at Longy School of Music, and so some of them are guitar students. But I tell them all to just do what they feel and to understand how other people have done it so that they have some sense of what the parameters are. Well, it's uh, it's fascinating and, and refreshing and, and very heartening, and uh, you'll hear... Um uh, that and and much more on uh, the new CD uh, today on Earth and Joe, it's it's just been such a pleasure for me to talk to you. I, I'm really glad you did it and uh, thanks for all the great music and, and looking forward to whatever comes next. Thanks a lot, Jason. I really appreciate you giving me the time to do this and uh, you know I hope everybody keeps listening to the music and keeps an open mind about everything. All right. Sounds great, man. Thank you Beautiful. so much, Joe. Thanks. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye. Joe Morris from the Joe Morris Quartet album Today on Earth on Om Fidelity Records. You've been listening to The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more.
Every episode of the show is also available for free at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. Don't forget, please, to take the Jazz Sessions listener survey. Only 10 questions. It'll take you just a few minutes to complete, and it will really help me improve the show. You can find it at thejazzsession.com slash survey. The show has an email mailing list, which is also at thejazzsession.com. And if you're on Facebook, if you just put in the little search box there, Jazz Session, you'll find the group for the Jazz Session. Both of those are great ways to stay in touch with what's happening on the show and also great ways to win the occasional free CD. The theme music for this program is by the Respect Sextet online at respectsextet.com. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the show's logo. The Jazz Session is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 United States License. Thank you so much for listening. Please support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.